All right, well, if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open up to Mark, uh, Mark chapter 2. And so, you know, as we uh, move through this, we'll be in the book of Mark here, a uh, couple more weeks, and then we'll be doing a two-week Christmas series we're calling a Simple Christmas. And so, um, I really look forward to that. And yet today, in Mark, is one of my uh, favorite stories uh, in all of the Gospels, actually. And so uh, I was thinking about this, and, um, you know, my brother and I have been known to have a few trips to the hospital in our life, um, a few emergency trips, you know, uh, young boys doing this. But uh, one day I was uh, working at the commissary uh, on Hickam Air Force Base, and um, uh, we work for tips, bagging groceries, but uh, you show up in the morning, and based on your seniority rank is when you get to start working on that day. And so at the time, I just started, so um, I wasn't assigned, and we had about two hours before our start time. So we went over to a friend's house, walked about a mile and a half down to his house on base and playing video games, and then three of us were walking back, and on the way back, all of a sudden, I felt like I was running a mile, <laughs> or had run a mile, and my breaths just got shorter and shorter and pain in my chest, and I, I knew something was wrong. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. You look at somebody, and you know when they're not kidding. <laughs> you know when they know something's wrong. I had to sit down on this bench uh, bus stop, and I told my friend, run down and get my brother at work. And uh, luckily, he drove, what was a Z28 or something, a little car he, got, he bought that was pretty fast. So uh, he knew it was serious. He responded well. He came down, picked me up. They rushed me home to my mom, who's a nurse. She put a stethoscope out. So we got to get you to the hospital. <laughs> After a couple hours, I finally got to the hospital in my uh, left lung. I had to think of that. Left lung had collapsed. And, um, and it was shrinking. And actually, the timing was good. That, um, and my mom didn't tell me what happened because she just said, we need to get you in. Um, but they uh, got me in just in time before, you know, it was shrinking and pushing against the heart, which would have caused more problems um, on that side. And I thought back to that time and how all my friends came around me. I could not help myself. I had to depend on others to get me to where I needed to be, to get the help I needed, and to really rescue me. We had the same situation playing basketball with my brother, and he had a heart situation. I, had to, I couldn't drive, so I had to sprint and get someone to drive him, uh, his friend Curtis, who was in town this week. And, and so uh, well, we've had those times. I don't know if you've had those times where you couldn't help yourself, but you needed people to come around you that were faithful that would help you out. And that may be a physical need. It could be a spiritual need. It could be a sin in your life that they pointed out and said, hey, we got to help you get out of this pattern, this hurt, this habit, this hang-up. I don't know if you've ever been that kind of friend where you've come along somebody uh, who is in need and you are the one that stepped up to help them out. And that's what we're going to look and talk about today. Is what does it look like to help others come to Jesus? And uh, we begin our story here in Mark chapter 2. And... Uh, Jesus had returned to Capernaum after some days, and it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made the opening, they let the bed down on which the paralytic lay." 
That's a, a very interesting scene here. We have Jesus preaching and his popularity growing. And so um, these little houses at the time are just rectangles. You, you may have seen them and they're pretty commonly seen and even in the Christmas scenes. Um, and on the roof was often uh, branches laid across with a layer of mud and some more branches um, and maybe even some other materials to help it keep from leaking. And so uh, these Men came carrying this young man, uh, this friend, on a stretcher. And we can see here that they, they were doing some amazing things, trying to work through the crowd and get in there and they even tear apart the roof. And the first thing I wonder is how far are we willing to go to bring someone to Jesus or to bring Jesus to someone? How far are we willing to go in order to introduce Christ to somebody. How inconvenienced and, and taken out of our way and our time given, uh, what, what are we willing to do in order to bring someone to Jesus? You see, if you're going to bring someone to Jesus and you're trying to reach someone for Christ, if you're trying to help somebody, if you're trying to get to Jesus and you're struggling with the sin, there are going to be barriers that you face. There are going to be obstacles in your way. It's not always going to be easy uh, sometimes there's things that you can't get out of on your own and you have to admit you need help and that might be you this morning. And so this morning I want to walk through and just talk about some of the barriers that these men faced that are some of the barriers that we can often face when we're trying to either help someone come to Christ or get our, our own personal spiritual walk back online with Christ and uh, as we do this, I think you, you will be impressed this morning upon your heart. That's my prayer that uh, you will be challenged, no matter where you're at in your walk. And if you want to make a difference in a life, if you want to put love into action, then the first barrier you're going to face is selfishness. <laughs> at our core, we all think about ourselves first. And giving up of your time and your effort in order to help somebody, it's a selfless deed. But you see, selfishness is overcome with compassion. Selfishness is overcome with compassion. And compassion only comes from humility. <laughs> and so a compassion is something that moves you in order uh, to sacrifice for somebody else. To give up of your time, your comfort. And think about it. The, I've been to parades and sporting events. Uh, those are the biggest crowds I think I've ever had to try and wade through. Uh, maybe a concert or two that had lines. Um, in a parade, if you're trying to push through in a parade, everybody's trying to get to that spot to see. That's what this scene was like for these men. That The crowds were so tight, you could barely get through them. Think about trying to get through them with a stretcher and carrying it. Uh, nobody moving, and once again, we're going to see this over and over in the Gospel of Mark. They got a paralytic on a stretcher, and with the uh, traditions that many of them had and the attitudes that were in their culture, it was an unclean person. They wanted to get far away from them. They didn't want to be impacted with that. And so to see someone on a stretcher, not only would they not let them through, they wouldn't want to be near them. And yet they had to get out of their comfort zone and try and find a way through this crowd to get him up to Jesus Christ and to get him to where they needed. 
And so the friends, and I think they had to be friends, they had to be moved at some point with this idea and this compassion, looking at their friend who couldn't get to Jesus on his own. So somebody had to come up with the plan. Maybe he asked for help. We don't know. And yet something had to move them to go to this step of being willing to help, being willing to go out of their way and work their way through this crowd. And... Uh, Even Jesus, I think, was an example to us in this situation. Here he was in his home, and he was willing to go out of his way. (laughs) And you'll see, and you'll read throughout the Gospels, that it says Jesus was busy, he was doing this, or he's on his way, and he was moved with compassion for the girl, for the crowd, for the man with a son who was dying. Compassion is what moves us and reminds us not to think about ourselves. Are we compassionate to, towards those with hurts, habits, hang-ups, struggles, to those who are lost in their sinful lifestyle? It's just, it it's, makes us want to stay away. And yet, are we willing to step into their lives and into their mess and sacrifice in order to make a difference in their life? And so that first obstacle that they face is something we're all going to face And it's that idea of reaching out and helping, getting out of our comfort zone and showing compassion to someone in need. There's always a cost when it comes to serving others. There's always something we give up when it comes to helping others. And the next thing they had to face was their pride. Not only did they need to be selfless and compassionate, but they needed to release their pride. Why? Because, well... The whole town was there. This wasn't an opportunity of serving where they were going to go unnoticed or just a behind-the-scenes act. No, they were carrying the stretcher, trying to get through. Uh, friends and neighbors and people knew who they were. <laughs> and as we'll see in a moment, even what they chose to do eventually and go up on that roof <laughs> was quite daring and perhaps illegal. I call it vandalism these days when you destroy someone's roof. Um, but... They had pride that they had to deal with. And the barrier of pride is overcome by serving. I can tell you how many times there's been opportunities to serve, having grown up in the church, uh, that even as an adult, and even as a pastor, some Saturdays or some times we had to serve, I was like, oh man, there's a good game on today. Game of the century. Or there's a movie I'd like to go to. Or, man, I'd just like to relax at home today. But once I got out and served, even when it was reluctant, God was so faithful in softening my heart. And I never regretted it. There's not one time I regretted going out and serving, even though it wasn't comfortable for me. And not one time I, I didn't look and, and began to feel empathy towards those in need and towards the people we were helping, whether it was painting a house or uh, serving the homeless or um, going into neighborhoods and offering to work for people or helping somebody move who needed to move. Uh, serving makes a difference. And yet there's something powerful about the way this serving took place. You see, I think acts of love and sacrifice, I don't know if you've ever seen someone serve you or you've seen other people go out of their way and you know they're sacrificing to serve, it inspires you. It's right, When people do that, it inspires you. And um, people like our great president, Mr. Bush, who passed away. You see people from both sides who were inspired by his sacrifice and service, not only in the military, but then his attitude 
in serving our country and then his attitude towards presidents after that left a lasting impact. Our lives do that as well whenever we serve. And so not only do we serve, but we see here this team came together and they, were, they overcame the barrier of pride by serving together. There's four of them in it together, not just one person, not just our Western mindset of the Lone Ranger. And sometimes you are called to serve alone, but man, I think we'll see throughout the Gospels that Christ loves to send people out together. And the Bible tells us that two are stronger than one. Three are stronger. We're, we're better together. And even in the, the mornings when we come here to set up and serve, uh, we mentioned how it's, it goes a lot better when you have that great conversation. You're just setting up as a team and a community. And so serving together, I call it cooperation. So you need cooperation and compassion uh, are two key things that help these men in these obstacles uh, that they're facing. And, you know, I think that the challenge for us is getting that servant's heart and getting that idea of reaching people. And that's part of the vision of Incline Church is kingdom partnerships. We value serving together, both together between ministries within our church and with other churches in our community as needs arise and with other evangelical free churches. Uh, in fact, I'd encourage you this morning in that idea of serving and reaching the lost together. Uh, my new role is coaching some church planters, uh, Christ the Rock Church in Timnus, north of Windsor and north of Fort Collins. is launching their grand opening right this moment as we speak. At, uh, they're in the middle of their first ever service. And so it's exciting. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. And these men although they didn't realize that they were a part of something bigger than themselves, something that would be told for centuries after they are long gone in the Gospels. And yet, something that was big was about to happen through Jesus Christ. And it wasn't what they expected, and it wasn't what we often expect. Now, another barrier that faced these men, I believe, is they began to do this, and then they, they hit the crowds. What happens? They, they can't get through. I don't know if you've ever gone to help somebody and then you wondered, am I really the right person to help them? <laughs> Is this going to work? Barriers come up and you're like, I don't know. It sounded like a good plan, but we just can't get the guy through. And I think the barrier of doubt begins to come into our minds. And I've often heard this or thought this, well, what if we get him to Jesus and he doesn't heal him? That's going to wreck his faith. What if we pray over this person and tell them God loves them and yet they aren't rescued from this sickness, this disease, this situation? Is that going to ruin Jesus' reputation? <laughs> Doubts begin to fill our minds as we begin to serve people because it's hard. We don't know what God is going to do. We're trusting on the promises of God and we believe Jesus is the answer. And yet the barrier of doubt is overcome by faith. They had faith. But they had a, a, a faith that was also persistent, and it was a faith in action. They didn't just say, we believe it's going to happen. They took steps of obedience and steps of faith, saying, we're going to work to get our friend to Jesus Christ, believing he is the only answer for this paralytic man. Are we willing to put our faith into action, not just talk about serving, talk about cooperating, but actually get out there and do it? And when you do it, you've got to be flexible because ministry never happens quite the way 
you have it planned. Anybody who's ever been on a missions trip or tried to attempt something knows that. Uh, even on Sunday mornings as a mobile church, we remind ourselves of that <laughs> quite often, how flexible you got to be with things. And so I, I can remember being in a, <clears throat> uh, getting ready to go into Folsom Prison. Uh, Johnny Cash was out there and all that. They have Old Folsom and New Folsom now. Old Folsom, I can't believe prisoners are still in there. But uh, I've told a little bit of this before, but long story short, there were uh, some tear gas fired, a little bit of a mini riot, and so they canceled our basketball game, and then it started to rain. Why I scheduled a game in California with uh, this basketball ministry with prisoners on the outdoor asphalt court, I don't know. But God was gracious, they canceled the game. And so we had to be flexible while we're here. And so they just took us from dorm to dorm, and we just got to visit with the guys. You know, we didn't get to do the basketball or enjoy that. But we had to be flexible with God, with what God was doing. And for some of our guys, they came to play basketball on that trip, and their pride was challenged. (laughs) Um, And we had to work through that as a team and say, no, we're here to do God's work. We thought basketball was the plan, but it wasn't. And so we had to adjust. We had to put our faith in action instead of just uh, quitting. I can imagine there might have been a point where they were carrying this fairly heavy stretcher, this makeshift stretcher um, that took four of them to carry. And uh, I imagine there was a point they had to set it down and be like, what, what are we going to do? How on earth are we going to get this man through? And one of them may have noticed, you know, uh, over there the crowd's let up and there's some stairs going to the roof. I don't know if they planned it out, if they just said, let's go over there. And then they went up and then... They started to dig. Now, to me, this is one of the most interesting scenes in Scripture because I can't imagine standing here and still preaching and holding the attention of the audience where uh, rocks and things start to, dust comes down on my head. Uh, That's what Jesus was doing. He was speaking, and then this roof started to crumble around him. Uh, There was no way of getting around it. It had to be messy, dust coming up, uh, loud with branches being ripped up. I don't know how long it took. As Mark's style, he just kind of gets to the point. But I want us to imagine that scene. Imagine what they had to go through, and then they had to get rope or something to lower him down without dropping him. Um, So these are actually pretty four quality guys. Um, You know, I don't, they're pretty ingenuitive. I would love to have them on a missions trip. Uh, They can figure things out. Um, But they came through with this persistent faith in action they, they were flexible. They kept finding different ways, and they weren't going to be stopped. And I wonder, you know, as I think of this, just maybe they had tried to help him before. Um, maybe they had tried to do, or maybe they were the friends that kept bringing him food or, or kept helping him out, and they thought this is the answer. Or maybe it was just four guys that uh, he gathered on that day. We, we don't know, but I don't think it was a random act of kindness Uh, But their faith in this moment was centered on this belief, this strong belief, Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the only way out. Jesus is the only one. And so the final barrier that he had to overcome, he's he's lowered down before Christ. And the final barrier that he had to overcome, that they all had to overcome and see overcome, was quite surprising. And so we see here, And uh, Jesus has an interesting response, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned this within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed. And they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Well, there we have Jesus. And the first response he gives is unexpected. He says, Your sins are forgiven. Now, last week, uh, for those of you who are here, a uh, uh, little bit of review. We talked about how Jesus began to show authority immediately that the people were astonished at his teaching. They were astonished at his casting out demons. They were astonished at his ability to heal people. And now he shows the ultimate authority over man's greatest problem, which is sin. The temple in Jerusalem, the sacrifices, all were set up to deal with sin. And here's somebody who just says, oh, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> your sins are forgiven. Well, does he have the authority to speak on God's behalf? He said, no, I am the son of man. So, you know, I have the authority. I'll go ahead and do this miracle. But immediately, and in the other Gospels that share this story, we know that these Pharisees and religious leaders, um, for some reason, they got themselves up front. That's not servant leadership, but they were up front in the crowd. They had the best seats, but they weren't there, as we'll see over and over. They weren't there because they were fans of Jesus or followers of Jesus. They were trying to catch this guy and prove he was a false prophet, a false teacher. Uh, he shouldn't have the popularity he has. Uh, they doubted him from the moment. And he understood their hearts. And through the Holy Spirit's work in him, he began to perceive that they were questioning his authority to forgive sins. And he knew this was a huge moment and a big issue with those crowds there. He looks at the man on the mat. Everybody thinks they know what he's going to do. And he says, your sins are forgiven. The barrier there was the barrier of religion. <laughs> you see, the people of Israel had waited so long and in that waiting the religious leaders trying I believe in their hearts to do the right thing at first began to add to and, and try and add to the Sabbath add to all of these laws and things that God required so that all of a sudden it became a checklist if I do this this and this I'm holier than you I'm good with God I can earn my way to God and they had this sense of pride about them and Jesus came to break that down. John the Baptist immediately started to talk about it. He said, repent and believe. Your sins need to be forgiven. Get baptized. He was saying, get back to the heart of worship. Get back to the heart. It's about a relationship with God. All those things he laid out were so that people could connect with him because of the problem of sin. And so Jesus here is breaking down the barrier of religion. And the barrier of religion can only be overcome by pursuing Jesus Christ personally in our lives. Pursuing him as Lord and Savior. Realizing he wants a relationship with you and I. Anybody who's having a struggle of any kind have to come to Jesus Christ. 
And I think one of the greatest barriers we face when we're trying to help people come to know Jesus Christ is that of religion, of people misunderstanding, especially in our culture where we know the Bible teaches different things and the way our culture lives. Quite often, we can be tempted to put those things ahead of knowing Christ, but the main issue is who is Christ? And once Christ comes to you and you accept Jesus Christ and trust him as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit begins to pluck away at those sins that entangle us. But before that, we've got no power to overcome anything. And so we've got to come to Christ. And this barrier of religion is overcome as Jesus begins to unveil who he truly is. You see, Jesus changes everything. He's beginning to tear away at the old covenant and establish the new covenant. And he came, to, he came with a mission to cure us from sin. You see, this man was paralyzed on the mat, but truly, every person ever born is paralyzed spiritually. In other words, there's nothing we can do in our own effort to earn our favor with Jesus Christ and to earn back our relationship with Christ. He did it all on the cross for us. He came amongst us to do it. Our role is to trust and believe. And we do have to take that step of faith in action towards Christ. But he's done the work of paying for sin. And he's beginning to explain that and show that here. You see, if I genuinely care about someone, then I understand that I can't make anyone repent. I can't make anyone recognize their sin. I can share the gospel and pray that the Spirit will work. And yet, if I am willing to enter into people's story as out of love and compassion, then I am willing to do that. And are you willing to do that in order to help them come one step closer to Christ, one step closer to building a bridge so they might hear the gospel? But it needs to come from a point of genuinely caring about them, not just wanting to get ourselves a little checklist saying, well, I shared my four points of the gospel today. Do we genuinely care about people as these men cared for their paralytic friend? You see, as we look at this, I think that uh, it's interesting what Jesus does here. He he then turns to the paralytic, and the paralytic gets to put his faith into action because he tells him to get up. And uh, for the first time in his life, somebody's telling him to just go ahead and walk, something he hadn't done. Interestingly, Jesus calls him friend. He's probably never seen this guy. Uh, Doesn't know who he is. Uh, But Jesus calls him by a term of endearment, immediately showing respect to him as a person. And then Jesus protects the man's dignity. He says, repent of your sins. He doesn't list all the sins he did. (laughs) it's pretty gracious of our Lord and Savior who could do that with all of us. And yet, he isn't trying to embarrass him. He's trying to call him to uh, repentance. And Jesus forgives him completely. Um, he doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't say, do this, this, and this, and then your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Out of grace for this man on the mat, he says, your sins are forgiven completely. And he has the authority to do that. And then he says, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Jesus told the man to do something he had never done before. 
And that final step of faith was the man's to get up and do it. I can imagine that all of a sudden the crowds didn't have a problem parting as he walked out. <laughs> and they're just like, Maybe those who weren't close to the scene, the word was being passed back, and then the guy they saw on the stretcher, they're like, he's walking out by us. I, what an amazing day. They began to look around at each other and said, we've never seen anything like this before. And those who were closer to the scene knew the real impact of him forgiving the sins of that person. You see, it, the challenge is, uh, and the call to us is that Every believer, and even our church is a group, we're called to bring people to Jesus because he is the only way. He is the truth and he is the life. And no mess in our life is truly cured except through him. And this morning I want to challenge you that if you're struggling with something, Satan's greatest tool is I'm going to hide this from other people. I'm going to hide what I'm looking at on my computer. I'm going to hide the struggle in my family or my relationships I'm going to hide my pension to go drink. I'm going to hide my anxiety, my depression, my, my anger, whatever it is. We, he tries to isolate us and keep us out of community with one another. You know, and, and from this passage have stemmed some of the greatest ministries I've seen helping people. Uh, I know each Monday night, it's my dad has shared, Pastor John has shared, he goes to grief share. Grief share, one of the inspirations for it was this passage. It's coming together and helping other people with their hurts, habits, and their hang-ups. And then there's another ministry um, that uh, comes out, and it's um, uh, not grief share, but celebrate recovery is another one that came out of this passage of people coming together in a Christian context uh, to look to Christ to support one another and come through addictions and hard things that grab a hold and uh, strangle our lives often that we can't overcome often on our own. And not every struggle that we have is directly a sin or something that we can overcome on our own. And sometimes it is something physical where we do have to have people help and doctors help. And yet, as we come together in a community, we still need to be pointed to Christ, and even believers can struggle with these things in our lives. That's why we come together. It's why we have uh, men's discipleship, women's discipleship, gospel communities. It's to do life next to one another and know that we can have somebody we can call or somebody that's willing to pick up the mat for us when something hits our life and we begin to doubt and we need others to point us and bring us to Christ. Because I, I want to remind you this morning that no one is beyond the reach of God's love. People may have looked at that man on the mat day after day just sitting there begging for money, probably at the gates of the city, and walked on by him. He may have thought he was beyond ever going to see Christ, ever going to get close to this one who's doing miracles. Maybe he had a friend who was healed in Jesus' earlier trip, and he's like, why not me? No one is beyond God's reach. People you know who are struggling, either spiritually or who are just rejecting God altogether, they're not out of Christ's reach. So Christmas season reminds us us, nobody is beyond God's reach. God comes down the midst of our struggles, and he points us to Christ, the one with the authority to forgive our sins. And if your sins are forgiven, you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. You're a child of God. Don't let the evil one heap you with guilt during this season. 
You need people around you to pick you up and to remind you of who you are in Christ. And we want to be the lights that when people are struggling and when the season is hard, and it is hard for those who have loved ones gone or, or loved ones who passed away in the past year or just things are frustrating in life. We want to be the ones that come alongside them and bring that hope of the season, not false hope, not hope that ignores their circumstance, but that says, come to Jesus. I don't have the answers, but I know he is there for you, and he is the reason for the season, and he is the reason for why we're here. We can trust in him and believe in him. It's not easy. It doesn't always work out the way we want But Jesus is the only hope and the only answer. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning. And even if you are struggling, you always have the opportunity to talk to us. Uh, Pastor John, myself, Young Juan, Jerome, we'd love to pray for anybody or come alongside any of you. We have women who are ready to come alongside, to have a heart for ministering to one another. Maybe it's just somebody's on your heart. You need to go grab coffee with them and lift them up this week. But just know you are not alone (laughs) and that there's no barrier that cannot be overcome. And when you do that, when you step out and serve others, it's the most amazing opportunity I've ever been a part of. It's so humbling (laughs) to just be used by God. So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this wonderful testimony in Scripture. There's so much in it, Lord, of of men sacrificing to get their friend in front of your feet in your power to shock everyone and not say, get up and you're healed, but to say, your sins are forgiven. And the fact that you came down at Christmas time, we're willing to become a baby so that our sins could be forgiven by you, could be paid for completely by you, is so humbling. And yet sometimes even I forget that, and I need others to remind me. Sometimes sin entangles us and we feel weighed down and and habits and addictions or struggles. We want to hide them, but Lord, I pray that today we'd be willing to put them in the light to seek help, to ask someone to pick us up and carry us back to Jesus. Or maybe it's carry us to Jesus for the first time, responding to the gift of salvation. Oh Lord, may we be a light in this community where people can come no matter what they're struggling with and experience the love of Christ. And may we have faith and hope to pray for those we know and we've been praying for for years to have a burden that they need to bring to you. May we not give up. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Please stand with us as we sing.